Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Interesting story. Yes. Last night, you and I watched a movie. We did. And (laughs) since then, you have twice asked me, what movie did we watch? (laughs) Which seems like a really good sign for this movie. And here's the thing. I literally, as you were saying that, and I looked at my notes like four seconds ago, as you were saying that, I was like, I don't remember a single thing about this movie. (laughs) Well. I'm not sure if that's the movie's fault or if there's something at fault with my brain. I don't know. Listeners, our movie was called Devil's Dash Gate. It wasn't. You're just putting a dash everywhere because apparently you've given up on spaces. Devil's Gate from 2017. Mm-hmm. It starts out with this man's wife and son are missing and a cop and an FBI agent come in and they're going to go try to find these missing people. And it turns out the guy from which they are missing is crazy and weird And then it goes from there into being a whole thing about aliens, because they were actually abducted by aliens. Yes. And that's the story of Devil's Gate, which we watched last night. (laughs) That is the story of Devil's Gate. Um, There's a little, an interesting little subplot in there about the FBI agent. Right. Special Agent Francis, who was fresh off of a case where she found a missing teenager returned that teenager to her home and that teenager showed up in her office and killed herself because she was so unhappy at having been returned. Yes. So she's a little traumatized around the whole idea of doing her job and (laughs) protect and serve. And, you know, her, her role in the world, I think, is in question in her brain, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Did that actually have an impact on the story? I think so, because it impacted how she approached... The whole situation in, you know, I think her her confidence in being able to read a situation had been shaken some. So then when she's in this very bizarre, unusual situation, she's she was less jumping to conclusions than she might have been. Hmm. And I think it particularly came into play at the end. Okay, I'm not sure. What happened in this movie? (laughs) No, but I I have not spent... Well, clearly I have not spent enough time thinking about this movie because it ceased to exist from my brain. I think there's some kind of alien technology working on this. Because I have this very strong feeling that her past case and, and her trauma there impacted how she related to the aliens at the end. But I can't, like, I literally cannot hold both pieces in my head at the same time. Like, I can't figure out the connection between them because I can't hold on to both of those well, pieces. I thought there was a thing where the boy who was missing 
had a notebook of drawings as all children do. Literally all children have notebooks full of drawings that get progressively scarier as you move through them. Right. Drawings that are very childish in nature, but also don't actually follow any of the rules of development of art in children. Like children follow very specific types of development in terms of how they see and represent humans And these journals never actually follow those. And they they always indicate that somebody is evil who you didn't think was evil because the kid draws them as evil. Yeah. And this kid has drawn his dad as a scary monster while he and his mom are crying on the other side of the page. And so there was a hint there that it would be like the same. I mean, it would be too similar where he didn't want to be rescued and she brought him back and his dad was going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then, you know. She could have redeemed herself by doing the right thing there. That didn't really happen per se. No, because let me see if I can parse this out a little bit. So she assumes that the dad is evil, but then she sort of is convinced that the dad is the victim of this alien abduction, right? Yeah. And then it becomes that the dad actually gave his child to the aliens as a form of health care. Yeah, he was hoping the aliens would fix him for that. This is what happens when you don't have proper health care in this country. Yeah. People turn to all sorts of things. We're not getting it here on Earth, so (laughs) bring it from above. Yeah. He offers his child up to the aliens as a form of health care, and... His wife goes with him, like, to try to save his kid, or I'm not exactly sure what happened there. It's not clear how she was able to do that if she was choosing to do it. It seemed like she just kind of got taken. I don't know. Sucked in. I don't know. So then we become aware that this woman who's had a series of miscarriages, she's actually been miscarrying alien babies. Yeah. And that her son is the first surviving like alien human hybrid yeah because the dad is an alien recreation of the human he used to be which is weird i'm not i'm not really sure how that piece even fits in Like, like they took him and they replaced him with a fake yes but why but a fake who didn't know he was a fake yeah so why it wasn't like i guess the That means they weren't, like, abducting this woman over and over and impregnating her. They provided an impregnation device in the form of this man. They just... (laughs) An impregnation device. I mean, that's what you guys call men, right? (laughs) Shh. You're not supposed to know that. Oh. Yeah, they they replaced her husband with an alien version of her husband, apparently for the sole purpose of creating this human-alien hybrid child, right? Yeah, because they were dying out and they can't survive on Earth, so they wanted to make something that of them that would survive on Earth. Right, right. Okay, so then we get to, here's where I I feel like something is, there's something to it. This is the take it too seriously part, which I think the movie had too. Like the movie had a very heavy handed whack-a-mole kind of lesson at the end. (laughs) Like all of a sudden, like the movie's going along. It's just feeling like a movie. And then all of a sudden there's like two or three lines at the end that were just morality as a baseball bat upside the head. Where the agent makes the very clear, distinct connection between what the aliens are doing to humanity and what 
Europeans did to indigenous cultures That's right, yeah. in North America. Yeah. And she says, You know, my father used to brag about being 116th Cherokee. Do you think in a hundred years any of them will be proud to be 116th us? <sighs> will they? I feel like they don't care. We're just a tool. Well, I mean, that goes into a whole thing about, you know, will humanity be considered this, like, heroic thing that is idealized like we have done with indigenous cultures? Like, we don't treat yeah. them like whole cultures. We treat them like caricatures of a culture. Yeah. And then we look at that and we're like, oh, look how amazing. They used every part of the buffalo <laughs> without actually having any comprehension of what that meant to their culture. Yeah. I mean, it would depend on if that happens to humanity with these creatures, which could. I mean, it could. we like to romanticize the people we murdered. Yeah, which is an interesting angle because generally the movie is just the aliens wipe us out or whatever and they're bad and whatever. But this, by going through this, I think they would have a connection to us and they'd be like, yeah, I mean, they wouldn't just be the aliens versus us. They're part us. They'd be like... Yeah, this is our heritage. We are partially human. This is our planet. They, of course, would be taking it over. But are they really wiping us out, or are they just interbreeding with us? And is this some kind of white supremacist movie? <laughs> like, get these aliens out of here? No, we should we should interbreed and be part alien. It's fine. Huh? Yeah, there's a lot of complexity to that whole idea in terms of like the racist concepts that we hold around intermingling cultures. Yeah. I think um, something you said was when, when we get two cultures intersecting, at least within humanity, the edges between those two cultures always tend to bleed. We, there's yeah. always that kind of Romeo and Juliet, um, <laughs> you know, thing where people from one culture are intrigued by, attracted to whatever the people in the other culture. And there's always a little bit of overlap on the edges where then you have the ones that hold, you know, stay back toward the center of their particular culture and often have a lot of hatred or ignorance or what have you uh, toward mm -hmm. the opposite side. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about that happening between humanity and a completely different, like not just a different race or ethnicity, but a completely different species. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think about that sometimes, you know, when we talk about building robots and sending them out into the universe and then the human race dies off and it's the robots and they evolve or whatever. It's a weird question of whether is that us then? I mean, it's not us. Definitely. But also somebody 10 generations out from you is really not very you at all either. They just right. the same species. But I mean, is it still evolution if it involves creating a mechanical version of yourself? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess fundamental to that problem is whether they're even sentient beings or not. But right. No, I was that assuming part, that they would yeah. be. But even that, I mean, germs or you know, yeah. one-celled organisms. Germs, which are more of our bodies than we are. <laughs> right? What if just the germs from our bodies go <laughs> out into, you know, the, the universe? Have we then colonized the universe? I don't know. It's very interesting to think about that line between where you end and where everything else begins. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, so these aliens survive by doing this. 
looking at it from their perspective because they were going to die. Now they survive by doing this, but they're not them anymore. They're half human. Right. So, I mean, they're seeing it as, I guess, as continuing on, even though it's actually something different. And there would be cultural issues with that. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, we the half humans deserve better rights or whatever. I don't know. Whatever their issues happen to be. Mm-hmm. And it, that's weird. That's just weird. It is. It's very interesting. Um, it makes me think of the book, The Sparrow, which was written by Mary Doria Russell. It starts out as like a humans colonizing the universe sort of a thing. You know, these mm-hmm. this religious group sends out a space shuttle with their people in it. And it becomes a story of first contact and the the sheer number of miscommunications and misunderstandings that happen because we approach first contact or any contact with all of our preconceived notions Mm -hmm. and how, you know, these two cultures from both perspectives think that they're doing the best thing that they possibly can for the other culture. And at the same time, they're both like simultaneously destroying each other. It's very interesting, which also makes me think of just, people interacting because anytime you interact with somebody else you are interacting with them from a place of all your preconceived notions and ideas and experiences and like the things that you say to me i don't hear them the way you are saying them i hear them the way i hear them yeah that's complicated it does it gets very complicated we're the same species (laughs) sometimes we think we're the same person yeah that's true (laughs) yeah so I guess it's interesting to me that this movie that I could not keep in my head also seems to be the movie that has the most profound thoughts behind it for me. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's sci-fi, which means it's about ideas. It's That's true. It's not just a little story. It's yeah, talking about ideas. Although I do think that they could have managed that idea better. I mean... Okay, if you really want your movie to be a metaphor for European colonization of indigenous cultures in North America, I don't know, maybe have an indigenous person somewhere in your film. Sure. Perhaps. And and I would like to suggest perhaps an actual actor of some indigenous background rather than having Scarlett Johansson play the role, you know? Yeah. That didn't happen in this movie. No, no, it did not. Okay. So beyond that very uh, deep dive into race relations and intercultural communication, what other thoughts do you have about this movie? Well, I can see not a lot. You have six lines of notes well i have six lines but there's like three notes that are on the side Uh so it's kind of like nine lines (laughs) what's interesting is the last note i have is super weird photos why taken which is a reference to the photos on the wall which were like a third of the way through the movie (laughs) so yeah i didn't last too long but yeah they this guy had weird pictures I had that same thought when the, particularly the one where it was like three women in a circle, you could only see their backs and they were all staring at something on the ground in between them. And I assumed that that, you know, at that point I knew enough that I was like, oh, they're circled around the rock that has all the etchings in it. That is the, you know, front door of the aliens staring down at it. But yeah, who took this picture? And also, why did they put it on the wall? 
yeah, all the pictures were like yelling and weird faces and like strange compositions. Like no, no just pictures of people smiling. To be fair, to counter, to be fair to the people who designed this set, there were multiple times in multiple different rooms. And I think the pictures were part of it at one point. There was a picture of like the, the dad and the son and a pickup truck and a windmill and everybody was very stern looking yeah. and, that and a couple times when they were like in the barn or in the basement where I was like, oh, this is the quintessential Midwestern farm, <laughs> like philosophy, lifestyle, which I kind of summarize as save everything, save it neatly, but save everything. Because it was one of those situations where like you'd be in the barn and every inch of the wall yeah, would be covered with scrap metal and old tools and you know that half that stuff was broken sure all of it, it was rusted someday exactly <laughs> you never know when you're going to need it we might be able to use this broken baby crib <laughs> as fencing for some baby cows someday like you or never know you could use it to build a death trap in your house <laughs> exactly which i think was the one in the yard did it look to you like it was like a bed springs with rebar attached to them? Yeah, like something like that, like a big big metal frame and yeah. a bunch of rebar sticking up at random. But on a on a very strong on a very spring, big spring yeah. boing, so it came up and impaled. It's like when you step on a rake and it hits you in the face, except what hits you in the face is 30 pieces of rebar. Right, and all through your body. Uh, I, w I do want to tell our dear listeners what it was that Mike said, this happened very early in the movie. Um, a stranger shows up at the farm, triggers some traps. One of them being this like very large rebar laden thing that like stuck mm -hmm. him full of rebar, killed him. Mike's comment on that was that he was all washed up. I forgot that, but <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like a few people... I feel like perhaps Erin will understand what that means. <laughs> I think she's seen that movie. She knows who Wash is and what it means to be all washed up. Yeah, whatever. It was very punny. This movie was almost black and white. I had the same note. It had this very muted palette, but not just muted. It was also super high contrast. Mm -hmm. Like the darks were super dark, even though the movie wasn't really dark. It was just very dark with very bright. And it made it look like a movie from the 50s or yep. 40s, but also obviously current. Like it wasn't old fashioned looking, but it, it, the style was super old. And there were some shots like of the house and the barn and the sky where it was like like a comic book or something. Like it was really sharp artwork. Mm -hmm. And even like there, there was some color, like a couple of those barn shots I noticed where I was like, I was waiting for them. Like, like they'd come up and I'd be like, oh, here's going to be some color. And even the very bright red of the barn was yeah. washed out. It wasn't like you knew it must be bright red because it was showing up when everything else was essentially black and white. Yeah. But it was very washed out. The only time I saw true bright color was toward the end when they opened the door. They were going to go out. I forget why they were going out there. They opened the door to the house and the house door was mm. bright red. It was the oh. brightest red I had seen in the whole movie. That's Just funny. the door. I also noticed a bright red in a totally different scene 
when the deputy tripped over the tripwire and got shot with the crossbow. Whole scene was completely black and white, but the red of the blood when it went oh. through his leg was very red. It was a very Schindler's List moment. <laughs> it was. Of course, then he did not have any side effects to have I know. To have being had a crossbow bolt through his leg. He spent the rest of the movie just, I mean, they acted like they were fixing it for a minute. But then after that, he was just running around, jumping up and down. Mm -hmm. At least until he got spatchcocked by the alien. He did get spatchcocked. I wrote that in my notes and I almost said it out loud. And I was like, no, no, save that for the recording. (laughs) Yeah, that's real good. That's what happened to him. And that was weird in many ways. But one of the ways that was weird is that... Like, this alien basically did, like, mm, telekinetic force, threw him up against the wall, and spatchcocked him. And it was like, what's the problem getting your friend out of the out of the cage down there? Like, you guys I, could just rip this whole house apart. I had that thought so <laughs> many times. I mean, clearly the alien in the cage was sick. Was yes, he, he was, was not, not doing okay. well? I guess probably because he had been on Earth and they don't survive on Earth he well. Took his suit off, apparently. Yeah, there were so many times where I'm like, okay, come on, guys, you can like teleport things up, you can cause lightning to rain down over the farm like mm-hmm. hail. Like, there's so much you can do here. You have advanced science so that you can be doing genetic interbreeding between yeah. two species <laughs> and create a viable life form. I mean, it took nine tries. Still, and yet you cannot for figure out a military or intelligence way of getting your guy back. Yeah. And then there was a weird scene well, the first time they tried to get the guy back where the alien like popped up in front of the FBI agent and she shot him 50 times and then he just disappeared. Like, was he really there? I don't understand what we were supposed to mean there. And if, if he was really there, then they can teleport too. So problem solved. I don't know what was going on yeah. there. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I do know that, that that shooting there, I was like, well, that was some racial profiling. Yeah, it was. Because he had not done anything yet. It was perfectly understandable why he was there. They were holding one of his people hostage and preventing him from getting the necessary health care. He was going to die. Yeah, again, it's a movie about health care. <laughs> right? So he had every reason to be there. And he was big and loud yeah and an alien but that was it he wasn't hurting them mm-hmm. and it's very possible that he was there and was like look just what he was <laughs> saying he she whatever just give me my guy we'll leave yeah, we don't want good. any trouble and she just whirled around saw him and like riddled him full of bullets yeah Rude. speaking of proper standard police procedure <laughs> okay. one thing i thought was kind of cool in this movie was when pritchard was the uh, crazy guy with the traps he had the fbi agent at gunpoint with his big shotgun mm-hmm. and she whirled around grabbed it out of his hands And then the part I liked that I haven't seen in a lot of movies is she then she started pointing it at him for a second, but then she tossed it aside and pulled out her pistol. And I was like, that makes sense because she knows how her pistol works. She knows it's loaded. She knows it's safe. She doesn't know anything about this shotgun. So maybe it may have been fake. Who knows? Right. She held it on him long enough to make sure that he wasn't going to like lunge at her in that moment. Yeah. Where she might have been forced to take that risk. That's interesting. 
I really enjoyed the fact that she was as good at her job as she was and not just the smart part of her job, not just the yeah. so or the emotional intelligence part of her job, which is what they like to do with female FBI agents <laughs> in movies. But she was good at all the aspects of her do- job. Like she was able to disarm that suspect. She had no qualms about bossing Colt around yeah. who was sweet but oh he did not have the assertiveness <laughs> to be in charge good old boy from the town yeah but you know she was kind enough to him and she was like polite and whatever professional but when he started to fall down on the job she was like do this do this do that she took charge and didn't sugarcoat it just did her job i liked it i liked seeing a powerful in charge woman just doing her job and not being portrayed like they didn't make it seem like she was being overly aggressive or that she was mean or anything it was just she took charge because somebody had to take charge that makes her a competent hardcore fbi agent like and i quote you from the beginning of this movie Mm. this is like a mully and scalder aliens you said did say that. It's just funny because I say that all the time too. I can't help it. I couldn't help it either. But yeah, when the very first thing that happens is that guy is driving down the road in his car and suddenly his car engine completely, like his car just shuts down. His phone is bricked. There's that thing where power ceases to exist. Yeah. And aliens are known for that. But the only place I've ever really seen that explored in any depth was in the X-Files. And so, like, as soon as that happened, I I knew it was going to be an alien movie anyway because of, I don't know, the preview or something that we had seen. But if I hadn't, within the first two minutes of the movie, I knew, oh, this is aliens. Yeah. The whole thing had very uh, X-Files kind of feel. Like, this could Mm -hmm. have been an X-Files episode, except that then it would have had to set up a whole arc about the... Well, unless they skipped out on the little ending moment where they showed all the other teleporters if they left that out then you know a little isolated story it's an x-files episode but because they included that this movie kind of feels like a pilot episode for a new tv series where this fbi agent and her deputy buddy are going around the country chasing down i mean it's got the things you need for a series they're Mm -hmm. they're looking for the portal stones or whatever Mm -hmm. you call them and they're looking for who's really an alien in disguise you know it's like Mm-hmm. This guy's the leader of a Fortune 500 company, but he's doing weird things, and you know they're right. hunting him down. It's sort of X Files meets Men in Black. Yeah, I would watch the crap out of that show. Huh. Totally, except that her little deputy buddy got spatchcocked. Yeah, so he would probably not be in it, but Riker could be. <laughs> okay, so my very important question regarding Riker, who in this movie is known as. Sheriff something or another. I didn't write down his his name. name. That was the name. Is Sheriff something or another an alien or a human? That is kind of up in the air. Mm. He was definitely doing the, look, don't bother looking into this. Everything's fine. Don't even waste your time. To an extreme. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, buddy, you are being so suspicious right now. (laughs) Like, just take it down like two notches. Yeah. And that could be the second episode, you know, kind of keeping it local to the town at first before they start going around the country. Well, you have to because all of the portals are currently under the barn at the farm. You'd have to have another episode there 
Yeah. Which ends with those portals all being like yeah. sent it's to the everywhere. you know many corners of the world or what have you. Yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah. For a movie you couldn't remember, this spawned quite a bit of conversation. Honestly, I probably have more to say about things that I can't remember <laughs> than things that I can. Huh. All right. <laughs> Ratings. This movie is hard to rate. It was not, you know, any kind of home run. It wasn't memorable. In case you didn't notice. Did notice. But it wasn't trashy. It was fine. It was okay. So, I mean, maybe that doesn't make it hard to rate. It feels hard to rate, though. It makes me... I want to give it less than a three because it just was kind of... Eh. So I will. Which feels wrong because of how bad movies have gotten such high ratings. Mm. <sighs> ratings are so hard. And they're so important. Like, everything hinges on the number I give this. I don't know, you guys. I think it's possible that Mike has been replaced by an alien who doesn't understand our rating system. Sort of like in the movie where the guy, the husband, was like, my wife is back. The aliens have returned her. I would like you, a complete stranger, to go up to our closet and get out clothes for her because I'm sure she would much rather have what you pick out than whatever nonsense I might pick out. And I'm like... Why? Why did that just happen? And now I believe it's because he's an alien and doesn't understand how human clothes work. Even though he's lived on that farm for a decade. I do not see the difficult strangeness of this situation. (laughs) I give this movie two and a half (laughs) tentacle jackets out of five. Two and a half. Yes. All right. Feels wrong, but I did it. Yeah, I think that I liked it more than that. I probably did too. I don't know why I can't remember it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I I wasn't bored while I was watching it. I was intrigued. I was somewhat confused, but I was intrigued. I feel like there was a lot of effort put into the setting, the, like the environmental setup of this movie. I feel like there was a lot of thought put into creating the atmosphere and really world building, I guess. This one has probably some of the best world building Hmm. that I've seen this month, which is kind of a weird thing to say about a movie because they're so visual. But this one, like it took place on this one farm basically for the whole movie. And yet I felt very, like I understood that farm well. I don't know. I thought Hmm. that was interesting. But yeah, they're just, it wasn't, it didn't have a lot. And I feel like the sci-fi of it was, you know, if you're going to go that sci-fi you have to be meticulous with it the problem with sci-fi is that if you if you don't put time and effort into making it nice and neat then it just looks sloppy and it falls apart and it doesn't make sense and i think you know they cut the corners just enough in making the story of this that the logic of it doesn't hold together right possibly true so i don't know i am going to score it a little bit higher than you i am going to give it three tentacle jackets out of five i really want to join you but i already gave my rating and you said yours was higher so i can't all right (laughs) i told you it's very important the numbers i give out this could determine the future of this company the company that made the movie it could it could (sighs) but i have to live with it so 
that's how this is going to go. Hopefully we'll remember what we watch tomorrow and tell you all about it. Sounds good. See you then. I'm making noises Bye. and seeing how they look on the screen. Huh. Tibetan chanting noises? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how to get that low. <laughs>